You know what's ridiculous? I was just like looking at it and I was like, you know, I also even like the ticker MKR. And then I thought to myself, but why? Why do I like that ticker? And then I realized that all three of those letters are in my first name. And I'm like, wow, am I that simple? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruki, and I am here with my co-host, Brent Philbin. Raise the roof. Hey, hey, come on, raise the roof. Hey, hey. Or the ceiling. Brent is, of course, the crypto hype man, as you can see, raising the ceiling. Just kidding. Today is going to be a one-on-one episode. So our one-on-one episodes are a series of standalone episodes where we take a project or a concept and we try to break it down from the ground up. So today we are looking at, this is an interesting name, Maker. And Brent, before I transition to you and you break down your research and you tell us what this coin is all about, when I saw what the coin that we were going to be discussing was, I went to go look it up on CoinMarketCap (laughs) and the price blew my mind. I was like, whoa, (laughs) not often that you see one of these uh, super high price, like 400, you know, that's not common. Obviously, they must have a low supply or something, but I was surprised. Everything we've been covering for the last while doesn't have that kind of price. <laughs> oh, uh, you mean per, the price per maker coin? Per per coin, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Not that that's something we focus on at all, but just to be clear, and this is not going to be a discussion of the price. We're going to focus <laughs> on the structure, the history of the project. I'm just saying that I was surprised because usually we get these uh, smaller projects and they're like, you know, 0.01 cents a coin or half a cent a coin or 10 cents a coin. Uh, yeah. No, nope, this is whatever the opposite of that is. So the the maker coin is definitely interesting. So there's there's going to be a lot to digest here with the maker coin and if you listen to our stable coin 101, you may have gotten a little bit of this information just not as in depth as we're about to go. So that's All the- right. So before we dive in, uh I know you're the one that selected this coin for this research brand and the first question that we like to ask is what were your biases going in? What did you know about the project? What was your perception about the project? And did you own any? Before I did the Maker, or before we did the Stablecoins 101 episode, I knew nothing about Maker other than it kind of existed. But before doing the rest of the research on this project, I learned about it. I started to really like the project. So I had a positive view overall. And I have a very negative view of Tether. So I would say I went into this with a positive bias for sure. Okay. All right. So, of course, I'm coming in this completely in the dark. So, I'm going to be with the audience. Brent, let's go from the beginning. What is Maker's vision? I'm glad that you're coming in dark, too, because Mike would have learned a little bit about this on the Stablecoins episode that we did. And you're going to have questions that he may have already asked or didn't ask. And then that way, the viewers who watched or listened to that episode and didn't listen to this one or vice versa will get a different experience. So, that's good. Uh, wow, what a hook. You are the man. <laughs> the company's vision is simply to create stable coins or collateralized coins uh, via a decentralized collateral system. So that could be any number of coins or any number of different fiat currencies or gold, for instance, or any of that stuff. But for now, they are only doing the US dollar with the DAI, the DAI. All right, so... Why don't you go ahead and explain what they mean by um, collateralized system? So they want a 
stablecoin that is collateralized. For instance, Tether is supposedly collateralized. There's a dollar for every Tether that is created. So the collateral there is the bank account that the dollars are created in. This one is going to use the decentralized digital assets as collateral. And right now they're using Ethereum as the collateral that's backing this stuff. So as we get to the end of this episode, you'll understand how we can make a stable coin out of Ethereum. But for now, just know that these coins are backed. That is super interesting. I'm very excited to learn how you can make a stable coin using something that fluctuates, uh, I'm sure, with the proper balance. All right, this is going to be fun. So hit me with the history. The history was a little bit interesting. They did not have an ICO. They sold all of their original maker coins to private investors. So they, and they sold very slowly. They, they, they went to market in January 2017, but they were doing the sale over 2016. Uh, Rune Christensen is their CEO and, uh, they, they had a big influx of, uh, of capital during the big boom. So they had a lot of extra money and they created this, uh, fund with L4 capital, uh, which was $45 million that they set aside for developers. And they said, we'd like you guys to develop, uh, projects for maker, the, the interface, the, uh, maybe smart contracts, other things. And if you, if you do, you can get anywhere from 25,000 to $200,000 grants, uh, as determined by L4. Obviously, they're centralized, but this money was the money that was raised from the original, uh, investing and selling of the maker coins. Um, one interesting investor is the A16Z, uh, people that they have a podcast also. Uh, I asked if we could be on their podcast and they said, go fuck yourself. But they, their email back to us was literally, we are very selective with who we put on the podcast. Unfortunately, you do not qualify. I was like, wow, man. All right. But that's the Andreessen Horowitz uh, fund that they've been investing in different crypto assets. They bought 6% of the total available maker coins in September. Uh, like just, just like a week and a half ago, uh, September, 2018. And finally, uh, DAI, DAI stands for decentralized autonomous index. So that's, I thought it was, had something to do with the dollar, but I, I looked it up and that's what they said. So I thought it would be like dollar autonomous index maybe, but I just, that's what they said. Decentralized autonomous index. So that's what we're, that's what we have. That's kind of interesting. And it makes me think about, um, the future of index funds also, you know, like if you can reduce costs even further by just having all the balancing be automated based on, I don't know. Well, I don't they know exactly might be able to do that. Uh, that, that, that. Once you kind of think about what this platform, how this works, I mean, it's not really a platform, but how they work, I could see in theory a way to put an index fund on there. For now, for the rest of this episode, we're going to be only talking about the dollar because it's the only thing they have open. But realize that this will all apply to whatever asset they want to collateralize via this platform. All right. So this platform, which you just clarified, is not really a platform, makes me think that we should clarify what it is. Therefore, it's time for our rapid fire section. All right. During our rapid fire section, we have... Five yes or no questions or five simple questions that Brent is going to answer in a rapid fire manner. Get it? Rapid fire session. Brent, question number one, is this a coin, token, or platform? I keep calling it a platform, but it's a token on the Ethereum network, the maker token. So the the whole ecosystem resides on Ethereum. 
Interesting. You're calling it a platform because it's going to create the ability to create new things, right? Yeah. So like in the collo- in the colloquial sense, but the definition of what it is here in the crypto space, right? it's a token. All right. Is it decentralized? Yes. Very much decentralized. Uh, there's a couple points of centralization, which we'll get to, but they are all controlled by the community at large. So huh. can it be mined or staked? Kind of. It can be kind of staked. Like you can get the fees as holding of the maker coin but i'm a little unclear as to if everyone gets them or not but i think yeah i'm going with yes <laughs> okay we're gonna we're gonna go point nine. yes mainnet is it live yes they're on the ethereum network they don't plan to move off of it and their mainnet is live okay and lastly does this sound cool no i do not i don't like the die die doesn't really invoke dollar in any way no, i don't like that but maker does maker sounds kind of baller maker sounds maker sounds kind of cool and maker kind of makes sense oh random random sorry <laughs> totally random tangent but i was scrolling down coin market cap yesterday which i don't normally do do you know there's a coin out like it's called like eternal coin and they have it in all caps i don't know if you've ever seen it like when you it's like in all caps, it looks different than everything else, and it's like eternal coin. I'm like, oh, they're really trying to go for a grandiose, uh, you know, snap in your face. Anyway, this reminds me of that because it's, you know, maker. <clears throat> Get it? Uh, I guess like yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, he's the maker. Like they're, yeah, they're going for a big, you know, powerful. I don't know. I don't mind the name. Yeah, it, it just doesn't, like, I had no idea what it was. Until I started to research it. So it's not like I ever saw it in a conversation or heard it and was like, oh, that's probably like a stable coin. When I saw DAI, I just thought, okay, DAI is some project. I didn't know DAI was literally a dollar. Or, you know, I didn't know Maker was – it didn't invoke anything. And there, But at the same time, their website is pretty clean. User experience is very good. So, um, you know, does it sound cool? No. Is their branding okay? Yes. <clears throat> You know what's ridiculous? I was just like looking at it and I was like, you know, I also even like the ticker MKR. And then I thought to myself, but why? Why do I like that ticker? And then I realized that all three of those letters are in my first name. And I'm like, wow, am I that simple? <laughs> like, where, like, it's just, okay, M, R, yes. This is, <laughs> this is a great combination of letters. <laughs> uh, oh, man. All right. Let's dig into this project, Brent. All right, let's let's talk about the features and structure. Let us dig. All right, this is where it's going to get a little bit long, a little bit long-winded. Getting wonky. Feel free Here to stop me at all points that matter. Oh, I will. All right, so you want to get a dollar stable coin on out there. So one way that we've chosen to do it is collateralized in the bank account one to one with no audits or anything, just kind of trust. But that's that's what Tether that's is doing. That's Tether, right. So that's not what what they went for here. They went with complete decentralization model. So here's the, the quick version that'll break down how this works. The quick version is you put up one you put up some amount of Ethereum and you can draw one hundred or you can you put up let's say $125 worth of Ethereum. If you lock that up as collateral, you'd be allowed to create one hundred dollars of die. So 1.25% collateralization right now. And then you can use that die however you want. And if your Ethereum price drops below what your collateral is, then you automatically liquidate your position. 
And so if you put up $125 worth of die or worth of Ethereum, got $100 worth of die, if it dropped at all, your position would be liquidated immediately. So you'd... Your Ethereum, obviously yes. you're in control of the die. Yeah, you have the die. You're good. You can go do whatever you want with that. Uh, if you want to get your Ethereum back, you have to bring the die back and unlock the Ethereum by paying the original loan back. So you're taking a loan... And remind us... Sorry, but remind us one more time what DAI stands for. Decentralized Autonomous Index or maybe Autonomous. Dollar Autonomous right. Index. I'm not sure, but it right, for right. all intents and purposes, it's a dollar. So okay. it, it doesn't fluctuate very much, if at all. It fluctuates within the same parameters as Tether. So it functions well enough as a dollar. So I, I'm going to go into more detail about how this is created. But if you just wanted to learn what it is and then get out of here, that's it. You can put up Ethereum, get die. And then if your price, if the price of Ethereum drops too low, they'll automatically sell your Ethereum and you'll have the die left over. So you'll lose money because they're selling your Ethereum off, but you will have taken that loan. And you will be also guaranteed that that die you possess is going to have the value of one. Right, exactly. Regardless of what happens to your Ethereum. Right. It's just a, like the fluctuation in Ethereum price is only going to determine how much of your Ethereum you lose. That dollar value remains static. Correct. So if you end up, you don't ever want to end up in a liquidated position, just like any margin call. It's bad because you're going to lose a bunch of money. There's a 13% penalty or something like that. Um, but but for if you want to create a little bit of leverage, you can do that with this with this uh, platform. So um, so how does this work? First, you deposit your uh, collateral into their smart contract. So they have their smart contract. In order to do this, first you have to create WEF, which you'd be familiar with if you've used um, like Radar Relay or any of the other decentralized exchanges that use it. Wrapped Ethereum is a token on the Ethereum blockchain that is one-to-one on Ethereum. Because Ethereum does not work as an ERC-20 token, you needed to create an ERC-20 token to represent Ethereum. So the smart contract for wrapped Ethereum is you give them one Ethereum, you get one Ethereum of wrapped Ethereum. And of course, you have to pay the gas fee to create the um, the transaction. So once you've got your wrapped Ethereum, now you have your ERC-20 token. For now, you have to convert that to pooled Ethereum, which is the actual asset that they're going to be collateralizing these with. Now, pooled Ethereum is actually not an exact one-to-one trade right now because they set different parameters as different things happen. And in a bear market, the pooled Ethereum is not going to be one-to-one. So we've been in a bear market for a while. It's like a 3% premium to turn it into uh, pooled Ethereum. So you're going to lose 3% right there, turning it from your wrapped Ethereum to your pooled Ethereum. Uh, So pooled, pooled Ethereum is now what you can use to collateralize. If you go back to regular Ethereum, it's one-to-one. So once you've turned it into pooled Ethereum, it is essentially Ethereum. The same way wrapped Ethereum is Ethereum as well. So I'm going to stop you right there then. And you're saying that these steps must be taken in order to even make that initial deposit. That initial deposit can't be done in Ethereum. That initial deposit has to be Ethereum converted to wrapped Ethereum, which is converted to pooled Ethereum. Then you use that pooled Ethereum to deposit as your collateral for the DAI. Yes. So so now you've got your, let's say we've wrapped up, I don't know, five Ethereum. And for the purposes of the show, we're going to call it $200. Uh, Ethereum's $200 because 
doing the math on like the 230 or whatever it is today is not going to be easy. So Ethereum is $200 and we've got five Ethereum. So we've got $1,000 worth of Ethereum that we have wrapped up uh, or that we've wrapped up, converted to pooled Ethereum. And let's say it's five pooled Ethereum and we lost 3% along the way, right? So uh, now we want to get some DAI and we can take DAI against this by locking it up in the smart contract. So we can lock up all five Ethereum worth of collateral. And that's going to give us a certain amount of die that we can pull from that collateral if we want to. So the really the number would be something like 800 and change that we could pull from that if we wanted to. So let's say we just pull $400 from it. Now we've created $400 in die. It will tell us that if the price of Ethereum gets so low that our... Our total amount of Ethereum that's been locked up is only worth $500. They're going to liquidate it. So since we've locked up 5 uh, P ETH, then we've taken 400 die out. If Ethereum drops to $100, they're going to liquidate everything that we have. We're still going to get to keep our, our one-to-one die tokens, but they're going to liquidate what we have inside the collateral contract. And Brent, when you say they, you're referring to the protocol, right? Because this will be automatically kind by of. a smart contract or is it a team? So somebody has to buy it, right? So the smart contract will automatically initiate liquidation. So they will take your collateral and start the liquidation process. Somebody still has to purchase it. So what they do is they, initi- they initiate the, uh, the, the purchase of your Ethereum and they auction it off to actual like people and somebody will buy the Ethereum with their die. And once you've figured out whatever price that they've bought that for, you get a, a penalty, uh, a liquidation fee. I think it's 13% right now. And then you get to keep whatever's left over after that. So, okay. Sorry. I have a, a <laughs> couple of follow-ups there. So, the first one is liquidate um, Ethereum that is being sold because of a collateral is only sold is only denominated in Dai. You can't use dollar like you can't use anything else to buy that Ethereum. It's only purchased with. I Dai. think you might be able to use Maker also in order to purchase the Ethereum too. But I think it converts everything to Dai or something. So Dai or Maker yeah. basically stay within the you platform. have to stay within the ecosystem. Yes. Okay, so even when it's when it's selling off the assets that it's forced to, it's still kind of keeping it in that economy. That's interesting. Yep. If you go then, to the Maker Die website and you log in, you'll see where you can actually participate in those auctions and try to buy Ethereum at a cheaper price. So the second question, since you keep mentioning that there is a penalty if you get liquidated on, I guess my question is, like, first of all, do you can you deposit more? Do you can you choose your ratio or is the ratio automatic? Like, can I? Well, it, that depends how much you want to lock up. So the ratio is set by the maker token holders. They choose what the, the what the penalties are, what the fees are, and what the collateral number is. But the if you want to make sure your position doesn't get liquidated, you lock up more Ethereum than you borrow. So like in our example, we locked up a total of, uh, what did we say, Um, uh, five? We locked up a total of five Ethereum, but we only borrowed $400 against our five Ethereum, even though five Ethereum is worth $1,000 at the time. So if our five Ethereum dropped to $100 per Ethereum, $500, that's when we'd be forced to liquidate. But if we had borrowed $800 against that, then if the price of Ethereum dropped just a tiny bit, it would force liquidate. 
Right. So right. you have to have so, extra yeah. in there in case of the price price fluctuations to make sure it doesn't just disappear. If you if you borrowed on half of your position, then Ethereum would have to go down in price by half for you to be at risk of yeah, ish. And there, and it's all pretty clear. On so I went ahead, and went through and messed with this with like fifty dollars worth of Ethereum just to see like how it worked, and it's all super clear. Like you go through and it tells you like this is the price that if Ethereum drops, we're going to liquidate your stuff. It tells you whether you're at risk. It t- it shows you where you could buy Ethereum for a cheaper price if you wanted to. Blah blah blah. All right, next question. And I don't know if it's fair to ask you this question, but I'm just wondering if you know. Like in the case of Tether, which is a stable coin, and let's say that I'm in a situation where I have an asset that I want to convert to a more stable coin like Tether. So I sell my Ethereum or I sell my Bitcoin and I get that amount worth of Tether. That way, if the price goes down or whatever, people feel like they at least uh, were able to hedge against that. My question is, I guess I'm trying to understand who would... And for what purpose is that initial transfer? Like, who, why deposit the thousand Ethereum to get, um, you know, this? It, it just seems kind of like a loan, which you're at risk what it of is. a huge penalty at any time. So it's leverage. Uh, it's the same as any other leverage position. So let's say you want to go very long on Ethereum. You have, you, you have your 10 Ethereum, which is worth $2,000, and you'd like to buy 200 more Ethereum, but you don't have $200 to deposit. You can now borrow $200 against your Ethereum and go purchase $200 more Ethereum with the with the die that you've purchased and be even longer on Ethereum than you were before. Obviously, it's even riskier because now you're in a spot where you could be liquidated, but it allows you more exposure to that. Um, it also allows you gotcha. uh, like to it allows you to take part in the ecosystem. It allows you to say to somebody if somebody's like, you have to pay me this dollar asset fine, hold on, let me lock this up, create it, here you go, and you can mess with that. But mostly it's uh, a leveraged position, I think, is the reason that you want this. Did you stumble upon your research about how easy or accepted is DAI right now? I feel like that would be very relevant. It's not on that many exchanges. So it's getting more and more acceptance, but the biggest exchange that it's on is HitBTC, and I know like HitBTC isn't the easiest to mess with. So if it were a, if it were to be accepted on something like Binance or something like I don't know a Coinbase or whatever, then I think we would see a spot where it would be a lot easier to use these as dollars. But still, for all intents and purposes, the market treats them as a dollar. Hmm. So that that ecosystem is also very young. So you know they're they're functioning already on the level of Tether. They're an ERC twenty token. So there's no difference between the Dai and Tether as far as functionality. They function exactly the same except one is backed by a smart contract that you can look and see and understand and the other is backed by pinky promises <laughs> <laughs> yeah but of course one of them has first mover advantage yes. here right and that's uh pretty significant i mean i don't know if it's for i'm not saying that tether was the first I don't, I don't know if that's accurate but clearly it was one of the earliest and it has established the presence uh, so this is really interesting because before we've talked about so far from what you've discussed, this seems to be a superior product to Tether, just in the in the fact that it's actually creating a trustless system. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a lot of trust that we need to give to Tether, specifically when they've shown opposite. Um, but we've discussed in the past how 
unfortunately, in the real world, it's not always about the best technology or the best team. It's a factor, but because all the success of these projects is multifactorial, sometimes just the right marketing team or the right connections or coming first or whatever is difficult to supplant. So I guess it's just interesting for people in our position where we're looking at these projects and this seems way better than Tether, but you know, I hadn't really heard of it until your breakdown. There's a couple of there's a couple of other caveats that we're going to get to that, um, in theory, could be arguments that Tether would be better. I guess if you 100% trust it's there, uh, and we'll get to those. One other thing that you said is why would you create this other than a leveraged position, right? Well, they want Dai in the ecosystem. They want to be able to create Dai. So there's actually this thing called the target rate feedback mechanism, which they can use to incentivize you to create Dai. They can actually make it more attractive to create Dai against Ethereum if they don't have enough in the ecosystem. So by lowering the penalty for margin? Uh, no. What they'll do is they'll change the price of the Ethereum to Dai conversion inside the collateral if they need people to create more die. So they will give you the opportunity to say create die at 98 cents and make 2% just by creating it. Even though oh. so and then you can still go trade your die at the full da- at the full dollar, you just were able to create a little bit easier against your collateralized asset. So yeah, they can they can change they could change some of the penalties, they could change some of the interest rate right. and that kind of thing and I actually really like that because it makes the change in the structure at the point of sale as opposed to because it's an effective reduction in the penalty rate, right? Like if you are if you're converting at, you know, 3% discount and the penalty for if you have to sell or deleverage or whatever is 13%, but now you're getting 3%, you're essentially, you know, now you're down to 10% if you do get liquidated because you already made that 3%. But by charging it to you in the front end when things are being purchased, it could change rapidly depending on the conditions, but the liquidation process is always the same and stays consistent right. and simple. Yep. I kind of like that. And they've, they've even got, so they've got, uh, I don't even know if the TFR or TRFM is engaged right now. I think it is. I think that right now they're trying to uh, incentivize people to buy the contracts and that's why they, you're looking at the 3% fee to go to PETH. To, but um, yeah, I'm not 100 sure. I didn't do a, a ton of like going back and forth in the system. I just want to see how it worked. Uh, finally, they actually have a kill switch in place for completely okay. liquidating the entire contract. Something happens that um, you know, say the development team stops developing, or uh, Ethereum blows up, or something. I don't know what could happen, but there could be like a crazy black swan event where all of a sudden it's going to affect the price of Dai. But the number one thing that they care about is that the price of these coins that is created stays stable. So there are a group of people who are elected that can make the decision to fire the kill switch on the, which is called the global settlement. And basically they can say, all right, well, Ethereum is $230 right now. Uh, for whatever reason, we're being attacked. We're our, our team quit or whatever. We have to shut down the project. It's $235 right now. Boom, flick a button. Now you're guaranteed to be able to turn your die back into the network at that rate and get your and get Ethereum back from the network. Regardless of what happens to the price right, of Ethereum. Right, regardless of what happens to the price of Ethereum post pressing the button, which actually will probably change the price of die either go up or down during the uh period of claiming 
the of the coins but if you're on top of it and you claim them right away you're still going to be getting one to one so that's a, that is like the the apocalyptic kind of that's interesting it's like a like a alamo uh you know if we go out we go out our way <laughs> you know go out with that final vision <laughs> like the moment they're not a dollar you know self-destruct <laughs> no, i don't think it's it, they can they can mess with things to make their price stay a dollar this is about some sort of giant compromised part of the system for instance, I, I'd like to compare this to what happens in the same scenario with Tether. They're worth fucking zero. <laughs> so, like, if the if the Tether system is compromised, if the bank is hacked, if the government seizes their funds, if uh, we find out that they're not one-to-one on Tether, then you don't get to go, like, yeah. get some of your value back. It just goes to fucking nothing out of nowhere. So, even though that sounded a little bit kind of like, ooh, man, the kill switch, that sounds insane. That's not really what's happening because that is like the kill switch on the the other assets in the same class is way worse. Right. So you're you're saying that the way we should actually perceive this kill switch is actually as a safety net to ensure that the project doesn't reach zero, but it ends abruptly. Yeah. With a redemption. If there's some reason that they need yeah. to end, there could be a regulation, like a government regulation that says like if you own these dies, you're going to jail or whatever. Like there could be. Whatever it is, there is a group of people that are elected by the maker token holders that have the ability to fire this kill switch. Wow. Okay. Uh, tell me about the governance. You haven't gotten into that yet. Okay. Well, that is our that's our next section. And governance is uh, is interesting with this. They're they're um, they're on the Ethereum network, so th- so they work with they work on the Ethereum network as far as like all the transactions. So there, we don't need proof of stake or anything like that. But what we do need is voting powers. So. One maker is one vote. And in order to get your voting powers, you have to lock up your maker. It's not like a long period of time, but you just have to lock it up so that you're not like voting and then skedaddling. And uh, there's a lot of different things that the that the voters from the maker coins can do. They can uh, they can modify the debt ceiling, which there's a maximum amount of a theory of die that will ever be created. So uh, or not ever, but at each time, there's only this much die can be created. And as they start to approach the debt ceiling or go too far away from it, they try to change the different parameters to to incentivize you to join the system, right? So they can change that and raise it. Like if we get – if they were – we. <laughs> if they were to get uh, acquired by Binance, they could say, all right, we're on Binance now. So we're going <laughs> to raise the debt ceiling because we're going to get a little bit more action. Uh, they could do that. Uh, they can also – do the liquidation ratio right now it's that 13 percent, but they could mess around with it in one way or the other uh, they can also and when you but when you say they we're talking about a community yes. vote that the development team would execute no well okay so the way it actually works is they'd be replacing the smart contract so some developer would come up with a new smart contract that says okay here's the new smart contract it's got these different parameters now if you want it in, vote it in, and then the voters would either vote yes or no, and then it replaces the old smart contract with the new one. There is no current overseeing development team. Like no, there's a maker. kind of there's a maker foundation. So they they were the ones who collected all of the fees for their pseudo ICO or their their sale of the coins for the private investors, and yeah, they right. use that to do the development. But the community has the final say as to whether the development project or the developments they made get to go through. So they're focusing on like the user experience and they're focusing on all that kind of stuff. But when they say, Hey, we're, we're going to change the, we think we should change the debt ceiling to this. The community either can agree or disagree. Hmm. So they can change that. 
Uh, the stability fee is actually interesting. You have to pay a stability fee in maker tokens. And the stability fee is basically like the interest rate. So I, I, I missed that when I was talking about this. There is a small interest rate on each of these loans that you need to pay over the course of the year to have them. Uh, it's it's fairly insignificant, but it's it's like less than 1%, but it's there. So, it's less than 1%. Yeah, I think. That's, I, okay. don't, that's don't quote me on that, but it, I think that's what it is. Uh, and of course, the price of Maker can go up and down. So I, I know it, I think it's a pretty static fee for Maker itself. So you have to pay some amount of maker tokens. And also you can they can change the penalty ratio. So they can change the penalty for uh, like they're on top of the liquidation ratio when they initiate the liquidation. I'm sorry. Liquidation ratio is point is 25%. Penalty ratio is 13% right now. So they liquidate you when it's 25%. They give you a penalty of 13%. You get to keep whatever's left over based on what they sold. So you'll even if you get liquidated, you'll have a little bit left over, but it's not it, it's not going to be a lot. No, you get crushed. Yeah, you get, you get smashed. You don't want to be getting liquidated. So normally we put this disclaimer at the end, but we are not financial advisors. All investments have inherent risk. Borrowing and or adding margin to your portfolio is even greater risk than you're normally going to be exposed to. So it may sound like, oh, I could just do this and then I moon and I get double. Be very, very, very careful with using this. Use it very sparingly. We are recording this episode on October 2nd of 2018. I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes crypto goes down in price. Sometimes. So sometimes. <laughs> so imagine if this was available and people just tripled into their Ethereum investment when it was a 1200 Oh, they did. This was available. So, oh, oh, this yeah. was. <laughs> and people got crushed yes. then. A lot of people have, have gotten crushed by by you know, borrowing in this spot in a bear market. If you're making these borrows and you're not careful with it, you're going to get crushed. So there is a very good use case for this. It's a really cool project. I love that they've created a much better stable coin than Tether. However, just be aware of the risks. If you decide to participate in this part of the project, you just want to buy die. You're fine. But if you want to be involved in this collateralization, creating the die and using it, then you need to be very, very careful. So some of the other things that the maker token holders can do, I wasn't completely finished with that. They can modify the sensitivity of that target rate feedback mechanism, which they can make it either more or less sensitive depending on what reactions they're getting to when it changes. So the the TRFM was this was the thing that would incentivize you to create more die or incentivize you to buy back Ethereum. And the the maker token holders can change that rate if they want to, how sensitive that algorithm is. Um, they can also determine the oracles. Now, the, we didn't go over this. So a computer can't actually report on the price of an asset. It, believe it or not, that's actually a subjective thing. Like you can't just code that in. They have to pull it from somewhere. Right. Do you trust CoinMarketCap? Do you trust Binance.info? Uh, you don't know. Right. So what they've actually done is they vote oracles in and decide which ones get to report on the price. So if Coin Market Cap does that thing where they like eliminated Korean exchanges one day, like you can get rid of them and be like, all right, they're not trustworthy. They're just gonna like manipulate the price at some point. Um, you can get you can and the oracles are actually just nodes that report on these price and they pull it from a certain place. So. If I'm going to be an Oracle node. And it's taking an aggregate of that. Yeah. So basically they're voting on the list that's going to form the average yes, price. exactly. Right? So once all the Oracles report, then that's where they're getting their price from. So that's how you know what the price of Ethereum is inside the smart contract. 
you can also modify the uh, the upper band on price sensitivity as a, a as a maker token holder. You can choose who the global settlers are, which are the kill switch voters. And you can also receive fees from the system either now or in the future. I don't know if that's a uh, a thing that's happening right now. Okay, that part is a little interesting. I just um, well, I'll I'll save this for when we get to the pros and cons. Okay, Go ahead, so finally, uh, eventually, the maker tokens are going to replace the pooled Ethereum as the backed asset. So they're it. It's a little bit too volatile right now. They're hoping. Sooner than later, it won't be as volatile, and you could use that as the backed asset and make it a little easier. That way, they can also do coins, uh, or they can do other types of uh, collateralized assets. They can make a, a Bitcoin token or or whatever, or they can make a uh, a gold token, or or they can make a another fiat. They can make a euro. They can make uh, any of those things. So. But right now, they're just still focusing on getting this one more and more adopted. And as people realize, I think, that this is better and that exchanges use this and all that stuff, the more stable this gets, the more they can create other assets and help us with more decentralization. So all of that aside, all of that together makes up this this ecosystem and realize that we've been talking about dollar this entire time. Eventually, they're going to have other options. So... It's not always going to be the dollar. It will be euro. It will be yen, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, it's just the dollar. So just keep in mind, depending on when you're listening to this episode, there may be other DAI tokens. Awesome. Awesome, Brenton. So why don't we go ahead and distill all of that into pros and cons? All right. So I'll start with the cons that I, that I picked out. It's extremely difficult to understand how this gets value. If I tell you, oh, Tether is worth a dollar, you're going to ask me why. And I'm going to say there's a dollar in a bank account. To back every tether. That's completely easy to understand. You get it. If you ask me... <laughs> so easy to understand, it doesn't even have yeah, to be true. exactly. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> if you ask me how this happens, I'm going to tell you, go listen to the podcast. It's a 45-minute episode. You need to listen to the whole thing to understand it. You know, like there is... This is not an easy concept to wrap your head around. So the average investor is going to be like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, there's no way. They either have to trust whoever's telling them that it's worth a dollar... They have to trust the market to understand why it's worth a dollar, or they have to learn this on their own, which is not easy. Um, it's not it's not ubiquitous yet. It's not taken in very many places. A lot of the exchanges don't have it. Uh, it is it's it's available. Uh, the biggest exchange is Hit BTC, so they're uh, they're not that big. I guess they're the biggest of the like shitty exchanges. I guess, but they're um, you know it'd be nice if it was taken somewhere real. And theoretically, a black swan could be really bad and blow up the entire network. But again, that's a pseudo pro because that isn't an option for the primary competitor of Tether. Uh, and what we mean by black swan is a completely unpredictable event that like comes out of nowhere. You have, there was no way to prepare for it. There will be no way to prepare for it again. And and that's it. All right, so I did have, I don't really know if this is a con, this is really just an opinion, you know, but when you were breaking this down, the part that I struggle with the most is that for something like this to supplant Tether, it's going to need to be widely circulated. For it to be widely circulated, it's going to need a large supply, and for a large supply, you need a lot of people that are, you know, putting in this uh, this Ether to back it up and creating this die, and like other than collateral, 
or you know, I mean, other than um, you know, margin, it just doesn't make as much sense. I was even trying to think of specific use cases where, like, okay, maybe let's say like the Ethereum Foundation or something has a ton of Ethereum laying around, and they feel like they can make a play at market share for a stable coin within their platform to flood the market. Maybe they could do something like that. But I'm just, especially once you start taking into account the fees, um, I wonder if there's going to be enough people paying the fee, taking the risk of liquidation in order to create enough die for it to, you know, to be transacted enough. I don't know. Uh, well, I guess that that would be on whether there's systems like kind of seesaw thing works, right? Like if it, if it incentivizes the creation right. of the coin enough, then it should be fine. And we don't have the scary like debt thing happening that we would have with like, you know, real debt because uh, it's fully collateralized. So, oh, right. And just to, sorry, real quick, the way you explained it, they could even go as far as if they needed to, they could sell the die at 94 cents on the dollar, basically, and keep give like a 6% margin up front, and they're still going to have that 13% liquidation fee if anything happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, they, if if their algorithm switched, yes, it could be the other way. So you, you mean to incentivize it, right? No, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out like... There's just going to need to be a lot of distance circulation. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, I'm pretty sure like Tether has an insane amount of money in circulation. So, uh, so I, I'm know. looking it up right now. There's 56 million die in circulation now versus uh, Tether's. Um, Tether's got 2.8 billion. So it's not actually. I mean, 56 million to 2.8 billion. So we're looking at. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a lot, but it's not, you know, insurmountable. That's an order of magnitude times two and a half. That's a, sh- that's a lot, yeah. a lot. What do you mean? It's, t- it's, uh, you know, times 10 is 500 million times five is 22.5. Yeah. It's 50 times the amount of money in circulation. And if we need to account for that, then. But um, if you compare it you to know, again, with true f- USD, which I think is like a more of the like competitor situation, where true USD is that okay. one that true USD is the one that has uh, like a fully audited bank and all that. Another one that's strictly better than Tether. They're at one hundred seven million, so they're only double what the die is in play. So, well, just to put some perspective on it, if we sort by, and again, I don't know how good of a metric this is, but this is just to implant what a monumental task it would be to. Uh, for this coin to supplant Tether, right now the trading volume for Tether in 24 hours is twice as much as the entire Ethereum uh, trading volume. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but again, remember they're talking about making Maker something that you can lock up, maybe locking up other Ethereum tokens to create Dai. So, like the, I think that I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where this goes. I, I, you're right. That's a con. That's uh, you know, can it can it be that much? To replace Tether. Does it have to be? I don't know. Because again, it's a dollar right now. So Well, it has to be in the in the context of I wonder how these exchanges are here's the thing. If you can't if something like this doesn't get on major exchanges, then it's going to have a very hard time taking off. And it's gonna have a hard time having a use case that, in my opinion, like warrants the risk that the people who are creating it are taking. Right. So the but again, it's still a dollar. So like, yeah, you're you're risking a little bit when you're creating it, but you're 
mostly just betting on the price of Ethereum. So because that's the collat now it's a little bit more difficult when they replace it with Maker. So once Maker is in there, now you've got a, a system where you're betting on the price of Maker versus Ethereum, and the volatility index is going to be a lot higher on Maker. So hopefully they handle that transition very well, and maybe they handle it once we're looking at tether numbers. Once we're and maybe they don't touch it until then. Maybe they're like, we need to get this thing completely stable uh, until then. So you know, oh, oh I, you know what? I've been saying it's a uh, 125 percent. I am wrong. The liquidation ratio is 150 percent right now. I just pulled up their their. Uh, I, I just I just pulled up the. Um, the actual website and it's 150% ratio with a 13% penalty and uh 3% boom bust spread, which is where the, the people can kind of buy it on the 3% discount in either direction. So, um, well, I guess in, I'm not trying to, you know, beat a dead horse, but then, so there, there's a 1.5 to a one liquidation rate, essentially. That means that it, that we can think of this, uh, supply or let's say for example if we're looking at it by volume as representing i guess would i guess market cap would make more sense right tether's looking at well tether's looking at a 2.8 2.8 billion yeah their trading volume and their market cap is pretty similar so there would have to be like four and a half billion dollars worth of ethereum locked up in these smart contracts for them to compete with tether's circulating supply that's just an idea of the task at hand with, with the proper incentive, it will be though. Again, if you can, if you can lock up, if you can lock up five percent of your own personal Ethereum at one of those situations where you can create at a three percent gain, you may do that. Uh, you may be like, all right, well, let me just get the free money here, and especially if you're like an ICO that needs to use U.S. dollars, and people will actually start taking uh, the die. It's going to be something is going to have to replace Tether. Because Tether's probably going to blow up. So, yeah, okay. like... All right, but I want to push back on the example that you just gave because I think it's a good example. Let's say that you're an ICO that just got a bunch of Tether. I mean, that you got a bunch of Ethereum. Now you have two options. You can either liquidate a portion of it so that you can have a dollar asset or you could take that Ethereum and put it into a platform which is going to yield an asset that you can only spend in one exchange or a few exchanges. Right, well, that needs to change for sure. And on top of that, you're taking the risk that if you can't keep that ratio one and a half to one because of the Ethereum price, you're going to take a 13% penalty on top of the 1% yearly penalty that you're taking on. That's that like, I'm not saying that there are not people who are going to be incentivized to, to do this, right? There are going to be people who are going to be able to benefit enough that it makes sense. What I question is, if this is what's underpinning the system, I wonder if there's going to be enough of those people to generate enough of this coin for it to be like a usable stable coin, right? Because at least uh, as much as we criticize Tether, the bottom line is most people know that if they buy Tether, there's a lot of things they could do with that Tether. Well, sure. They could spend it a but lot of at places. The same, it's not like this trades at 97 cents or 98 cents or anything like that. Like it still trades at $1. So the the market has already mm-hmm. decided that it's usable as a dollar. It's just it's just right. whether the uh, w- where they can use it. Do they need to convert it into something else first? So maybe it's really only worth ninety eight well, cents. Where they can use it. Hold on a second. Where they can use it, and they need to generate enough, right? Like let's say right now at fifty million. You said it was fifty mm-hmm. million, right? If right now they were accepted in every exchange, if tomorrow Binance and and Bittrex said, yeah, you guys are good. There's not enough of it yet 
that it could make a mark. Right, so they just changed the they changed the incentives, and, and if they're if they run out of it, then it's just going to be worth more than a dollar. So what happens if there's demand for this coin at more right. than a dollar? You're just going to create the shit out of it because you can get it for a dollar. So you're going to hopefully self-regulate and. Uh, it will, yeah. If if Binance adds it tomorrow, maybe it pops up to a dollar six for a couple days. People create more of it at a dollar six, sell it at a dollar six, and now it's back down to a dollar. All right. No, and and listen, just to be clear too, I agree with the main thing you said at the beginning of this, which is it doesn't really need to replace Tether a hundred percent, right? Like it can be judged on its own merits. And th- I like the way this is structured. I just wanted to point out, like, what a big uh, difference, what a big gap head start. Yeah, and and I don't see anything replacing Tether, especially because, like, we've gotten all the bad information that we need to get. Like, we know all the bad stuff, and it's still there. And and the exchanges are still using it. So it's just easier for them to use it than any of the other coins. It's And they learn from their mistakes, yeah. (laughs) It's going to stay there, and what's going to happen is if... Tether isn't going to be replaced, it's going to blow. So, like, once Tether blows up, what do you replace Tether with? Do you replace Tether with another fully backed asset like True USD or Gemini USD and just trust them more than you trusted the Tether people? Or do you you're like, oh shit, this one's kind of decent. I don't have to trust anybody. You know what, Brent? I have to give you a lot of credit here because you just completely changed my mind on this. Because the one thing that I, I was just taking into account a static situation where this was going to be competing for market share or circulation. But 100%, the fundamental flaw with Tether is that at any point, if that trust gets exposed, it could radically fall in value or if there's a scandal or anything like that. So if there was a blow up, it doesn't matter what the trading volume was today because at that moment, it could easily go to zero in a short period of time. And if there's a solution out there that has proven itself, even if it takes a year, two years, whatever, then it has a very legitimate chance to supplant Tether. So uh, that's a very good point. Uh, you kind of change my perspective on Maker's potential. And in the meantime, you still have tokens that are that are worth a dollar and you can have a leveraged position if you want to. So on to the pros in- the pros with this situation yeah you can create leverage without going to an exchange that offers the leverage so you're not paying the uh the fees to a centralized person you can create your own little leverage if you want to have a leverage position it's not a very big leverage position but you can do it um the the coin has absolutely no a very tiny amount of trust you have to trust that the community picked the correct uh the correct kill switch operators and the correct oracles basically um but you have to trust that the community picked correctly between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash too. So there's, uh, you know, the, hopefully the community is making the right choices with their maker. There, the idea of collateralizing different assets in this way so that there is no risk to the asset changing price is very novel, very good, and as long as I understand it correctly, the most risk that you're taking is you don't know that the system shut down and you lose a couple a couple percentage points on your ethereum because you or gain because you didn't collect it right away so it's uh the, the i mean that's on um, the actual maker platform has a lot of pros because they're completely decentralized they all the voting works they're they're on the ethereum layer so they're as easy to use as the ERC 20 token and they've got a lot of financial backing from uh, and they've got a huge team that works at the Maker Foundation. The Maker Foundation does the right thing for the coin. Like everything seems to work pretty cohesively with this coin. I I looked at the subreddit, didn't find any drama. 
So there was no hacks. There was no like uh, problems. The most that I found that was drama related was whether or not they thought it was okay for somebody to buy this much of the supply. But in the end, really, the the community's good. The coin's good, and the it seems to be strictly better than Tether. And probably strictly better than the other Tether alternatives that are also strictly better than Tether. It's <laughs> Tether is the fucking shitty dog leash. That that's what it is. Like there, there, and yet it's there are a one. ton of other options out there, and it's still the one that everybody's using for some, you know, unknown reason. Well, I'm not that unknown, right? There's also the. I don't want to make a false accusation, but it doesn't tell they have a very close relationship with one of the exchanges to the point that they're like, owned by Bitfinex. I don't remember if it basically. was Bitrix. Yeah, Bitfinex. That's right. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty huge bump right there, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Looks pretty good. Brent, where can we buy it? Well, the number one place to buy it would be on the, in their platform. If you wanted to go in there, you can actually buy die inside that platform for the for the one-to-one exchange ratio on the dollar price there and sometimes you can even buy it for a little bit less because you're basically buying up people's um you know people's bad debt or the other way actually uh you can the main exchange that has it is hit btc they account for damn near all of the all of the volume uh 47 percent 28 percent five percent are the top three of their um their trading pairs, they have it with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and EOS. And then Oasis Decentralized Exchange, Kyber Network is a decentralized exchange, DDEX, Bancor is a decentralized exchange. So hip, the top 10 places, HitBTC is the only non-decentralized exchange. And then a few of these decentralized exchanges also have it. And then Bbox, which I think and is that's a decentralized. A, that's another angle, right? Like if decentralized exchanges catch on, you're not as dependent on... You know, Binance or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the decentralized exchanges can have all the coins. It's just a matter of the – it's more the community catching on, I think. Like, the community needs to think that this is okay, and it is. it does take a lot of research to get comfortable with this. Makes sense. All right. I know we touched on this, but run it by us. Who are the main competitors? Uh, You know, we got Tether, TrueUSD, Gemini USD, BitUSD. There's there's a couple others that I'm missing. Uh, There's also the one that's backed on gold. It's – digits so well, there's there's stable coins out there all the other bit stable coins they the bit share system has a collateralized asset system too they just do it with the bit shares asset rather than ethereum so you'll find it similarly on there which is why the bit us dollar is actually the primary competitor but the decentralization isn't nearly as much on bit shares because they have the dan larimer model of like 21 dedicated or delegated proof of stake people uh deciding the network all right, Brian, we get to the end here. You get to share your personal future outlook for this project. I, I had a, a, a random thought because Augur is based on the Ethereum network. What if we set up Augur to take you to take bets via this token rather than Augur? Now, you have to worry about Tether blowing up. You have to worry about all the other ones. You don't as much have to worry about this one. And therefore, you're not also betting on the price of Ethereum with each bet that you make. So, like, if you lock up your Ethereum for a long time and it tanks in the middle of that, you're not, like, also penalized by only winning shitty amount of Ethereum or vice versa being rewarded. So, it would be an interesting way to add another asset to the Augur system that may make those bets a little bit more palatable for people to make. 
So that's that's actually a cool use case I see in the future. Otherwise, I I see this as being like probably never replacing Tether uh, or Tether's replacement, like the Gemini US dollar or that one that uh, Circle was creating. Like they're probably just going to get up there because of marketing and that and that. So hopefully it just kind of has enough trade volume to still function as mostly a dollar and is like the second option based on whatever replaces Tether. All right. So two things I wanted to touch on here. One is related to what you said. The first thing is that so many times when we do these projects where, you know, you're explaining what this project is trying to do, what they've accomplished, their vision, their potential, almost every time, by the time we get to the end of it, I think to myself, holy shit, Ethereum is going to be a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's all I, it's amazing. Uh, I feel like it gets underappreciated just how many, like, even if the failure rate and the garbage rate for ICOs and projects built on the blockchain or whatever was in the 90%, there's just so many good ideas coming out right now and so many, um, I guess, like, lines of growth that I have to believe some really cool things are going to come out of this blockchain in the next couple of years. And I'm really excited about that. And it's funny because you mentioned Augur and I'm like, yeah, there you go. Like it just, it's just becoming so ubiquitous, you know? Um, and then the second thing, just as a side note, uh, <laughs> although this is kind of a little dark and depressing. Oh no. But what, what if, uh, what if like people totally, uh, the community totally loses interest in creating a stable coin in relation to the dollar because the dollar is not stable. Yeah. Well, from the perspective of only caring about Bitcoin, the dollar is very, very unstable. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the dollar is the last fiat coin to go, in my opinion. I mean, being the global reserve currency, like until like China takes over the world more or whatever, ideally, if although if we elect our same leader again for another four years, we could be in a problem problematic spot. Oh no, I don't. I don't think something of that scale is dependent on the next election. Even though it's consequential. But anyway. All right. Well, that's a pretty interesting discussion. Brent, do you have any other parting words? Any other thoughts? No, you know what? I think I I think I've very summed it up. We only very briefly touched on this on the stablecoins episode, but if you want to go to the stablecoins episode and listen to some of the how the other coins work and how they're collateralized that are that are competitors to the the maker coin, you can go there. Basically in the episode I Mid episode, I was like, you know what? I think Maker deserves its own one-on-one episode because it's unique enough. So we're gonna do that. But again, we touched on each one very smallly. So awesome! All right, well, that is going to wrap it up. I want to thank you for listening to this episode, Brent. I want to thank you for breaking this down. Really thorough research, really concise answers. You really help us understand how that works. Appreciated that research. As always, and is a reminder for you, we are not financial advisors. We're just a couple of crypto fans, just like you, sharing what we learn as we go. All investments do have inherent risks, so please do your own research. Other than that, if you haven't checked out our other episodes, we've covered a ton of topics. And if you haven't done so already, please rate us on iTunes, subscribe, download, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's going to do it for us. I was here with Brent Philbin. My name is Kareem Baruke. This is Crypto Basic.